Hello, darling. Welcome to The Art of Being. I'm your host, Slade Powell. We're talking about what it means to be a human being and what we're all really doing here on this big ball of dirt. Let's get the conversation going. And welcome to the show, Emily Slahedka. Emily is an incredible inner voice facilitator and nutrition coach. Um, And I wanted to have her on today to talk about bodies and what it's like Mm. to just be in your body. Because it turns out that we are all actually doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Emily. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. And I am currently sitting in my body. So... (laughs) We're in the right place. (laughs) What a place to be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I too am sitting in my body at this very moment. And I I theorize many people listening to this will be doing the same. (laughs) Yes. Or walking, preferably in nature. (laughs) That's also true. One must not sit. I would love to hear how you... You, so when you're working with clients, you really work with like listening to the body and working with it intuitively, especially with nutrition, but also like every other way that's possible, pretty much. Mm-hmm. How did you end up in that space? What calls you to like this kind of work? Well, <laughs> it's an ever evolving thing. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to find like the framework because <laughs> I think <laughs> it's just going to keep evolving is especially the more I let my inner voice lead but I originally got into it because I hated being in my body personally Mm -hmm. um I was an athlete in college and high school and the freedom in college of just being able to move around all the time and kind of do whatever you wanted was such a brutal change to go to a corporate job where you're sitting all day stuck in an office, like in a cube. I literally had a gray cube. (laughs) That sounds awful. Yeah. And I started gaining weight and that really hadn't been a problem for me before. And gaining weight isn't a problem, but I felt really uncomfortable because my body was changing and I didn't know why. And I felt like my body didn't belong to me anymore. And it just like felt so difficult to sit all day. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, I know how to run. So I'll start running marathons or half marathons. And I didn't even like running, (laughs) but (laughs) I very like diligently trained for half marathons that I didn't want to run. And I thought like that was the thing I needed to do to like kind of get my body back into shape. And I mean, Mm. at that point, I'm just so separated from my body and what it needed that I was resorting to getting it under control or uh, like just getting to a place where I felt more comfortable, but that's not how I would have described it. I would have described it as like I needed to lose weight. I needed to you know, get in shape, get my body to do what it needed to do. It's not responding to me. It's, you know, this nasty little two-year-old who's having pitching a fit is kind of how I saw my body. Man, like something totally outside of you that you had to like take the reins or it would just (laughs) tame. Tame is a great word for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing of it is, is that I'm not some crazy person who decided to do this. This is like literally happening all around me. And I remember this one time I was sitting in my cube talking to other cube people. Cube people. (laughs) (laughs) Cube dwellers. (laughs) Yeah. And this girl was like, oh, well, you know, I went out to the bar with some friends and then, you know, we had some drinks, but I only drink clear alcohol because it has fewer calories. And then you know, as soon as I got home, which was, you know, like two in the morning, I ran a few miles to burn all those calories off. And everyone is like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. I'm like, good for you. Like, great job. Great discipline. Wow. (laughs) And like, these are the things that are happening, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
it's the kind of thing that like when you're in the middle of it it sounds completely normal and then when mm-hmm. you're outside of it you're like that's a crazy person talking yeah <laughs> we all go through crazy phases right <laughs> or wild wild phases right. yeah but I mean you hear these stories all the time and they just sound so commonplace you're like oh yeah of mm-hmm. course I'm doing this right like I just got to get my nutrition under control and just got to get my exercise under control and then my body will be under control and things will be good and I'll look good and then I'll feel good and I was like Mm -hmm. oh actually (laughs) let's flip that around (laughs) so what I learned over the process of failing miserably at dieting multiple times failing miserably at I mean I ran half marathons and finished them but hated every moment of them um so yeah let's spend hours training for something that we hate that's a good (laughs) use of time right (laughs) But through that experience, I slowly learned, like, really what I needed to do was learn what my body needed and coming from a place of supporting my body, caring for my body, loving my body. And it changed the way that I took care of my body. So it wasn't exercise for punishment. It was movement that I enjoyed. And it turns out I really love lifting weights. Like, who knew? (laughs) So that's amazing. yeah, that's been really fun. And I love walking. Hence my comment earlier about walking in nature. Um, I love yoga. I love um, playing field hockey. That's what I did um, for my sport. And I love being in the water. And so like any of those things just make me so happy. And it doesn't, and like, I just want to point out that I love weightlifting it feels to me like when I'm in the water, it doesn't feel like I'm working out, even though my body is moving and doing all the things to keep myself afloat. And that feels the same to me when I'm weightlifting. It it actually takes me out of my mind and puts me in my body. And I like, I love doing what the sheet says and like the rep schemes and the weights. And like, I love the whole experience of it, but I recognize that for some people, like being in a gym or like being around weights or whatever, it's just for me, like how running half marathons was, or, you know, there's people who love running half marathons and like, that's what gets them out of their body. And so the point is like, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's just the fact that your body loves movement and do some type of movement. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like we're all actually different people. What? Into, uh, what? It's so crazy. Yeah, but you're yeah. right because there's this idea like there's like one way to manage your body and that you should manage it, and like, and it should look one of a couple of sets of ways. Either you've got like the yoga body that means like you've been sweating in a yoga studio with a lot of other smelly people for a while, or like you've got the weightlifter body that like is. <laughs> Or you're gonna like, like tick off everything I've done. Oh my god! <laughs> so I love go that. ahead. <laughs> okay, the weightlifter body, which I'm assuming yeah. is yes. Um, that's like you've been sweating with a lot of other smelly people, but <laughs> with weights. <laughs> and then there's like the running, and then there's the like. Uh, I used to jazzercise. I actually really mm-hmm. loved jazzercising for the time that I was doing it until I moved to a place where it was like half an hour to get to a jazzercise studio. And uh, that was awesome. I loved dancing with weights with a bunch of like women in their 60s. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, yeah, there's like definitely something out there for everyone, but I feel like this could easily turn into some kind of PSA that's like, just find your bliss in exercise. And that's really like, like the point is not that there's some way out there for you to like, find the way to control yourself and your body well it's like is that even the point yeah I think the point is I mean if you if I ask my inner voice the point would be fun that's the point of everything (laughs) (laughs) do you want to ask your inner voice I mean it already said fun okay great (laughs) it's been like the theme of the year is fun and like for me weightlifting is fun and so I don't I mean like it is traditional exercise I guess as you would say but I don't see it like that I see it as like an activity I really enjoy I mean another thing I I do is play golf with my husband and like technically that's a sport I mean people get paid millions of dollars to play it (laughs) (laughs) and it's 
fun in like a very humbling way <laughs> because you're always bad at it. So <laughs> if people are always swearing about golf and cartoons? Yeah, it's so frustrating. Like it's frustrating in how you literally, I think golf may be one of the metaphors for life lived by an inner voice perspective because you're only good at golf when you're having fun and you're actually not trying hard. <laughs> so <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's like skill involved in learning how to swing the club correctly and that sort of thing. But like the harder you try, the worse you do. <laughs> so it's a good reminder of life for me personally. Mm. I love that. I feel like that's also like that is life. And that's also like, like, isn't that how you want to feel in your body? It's just like, it's fun. It's easy. Like not something you have to like work about. Like you get, like, you're going to have a body no matter what until you die. Like you don't have to work at that. Yeah. It just sort of comes with the package. It holds your insides in. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves or that we accept to look a certain way, but we have the choice to not accept that. Like when we put that pressure on ourselves, that is us putting the pressure on ourselves. And I think that we like to say like, oh, society created this. And like, yeah, the message gets reinforced all the time, but you get to choose whether you accept that message for yourself and put yourself under that intense scrutiny and pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How did you find yourself like learning to actually listen to your body? Uh, it was nutrition for me that was kind of the, I would say like the wake up call almost because I, movement for me is something that I've, that I've always done. So that was very familiar and like, I was fine with that, but Um, nutrition kind of blew me away because I had been taught to override my hunger and fullness cues. So we, I was part of the clean plate club every night. I don't know if you know what that is, but I finish your entire plate. (laughs) Yes. I was not, that was not a thing that we enforced when I was a kid, but it was very funny whenever, uh, I went to summer camp and then suddenly the clean plate club showed up (laughs) so yes (laughs) must eat all everything on the plate (laughs) yeah I was like you couldn't be excused from the table until you finished your food and so it was not only a race to eat as quickly as possible but it was like just shove all the food down so I'm not even tasting it and like not that my mom was an exceptionally great cook but it was like what there weren't a lot of flavors to a taste <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> I think your mom and I went to cooking school together <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it was just like finish it everything as fast as you could and then be done and move on to the next thing and I don't really think there was any like ill will behind my parents it's just like I had three siblings and you know we had a busy evening and you get everyone shuffled to all their activities and then go to bed and do it the next day so it was like a very it was like controlled chaos in a way and it was just another way of just managing all of that so I don't I mean there wasn't anything wrong but that was just how I was taught and then um we didn't we weren't allowed sugar really in the house like I actually ate pretty healthy as a kid and then I went to college and buffets everywhere like dessert trays <laughs> I love that. I remember going to college and they had a waffle maker in the, uh, and I lived on waffles. You can put anything on a waffle. I learned. I made made all kinds of waffles because most of the food was terrible in the cafeteria. So it was was waffle a palooza for my freshman year. (laughs) I definitely gained the freshman 15 for sure. And I think I maybe even did like the freshman 25. I don't know. Um, but you know, it evened itself out once I learned, um, 
I guess in some ways in college, I was learning what I liked because there were so many options available, but it wasn't until I started working with a nutrition coach um, and I taught myself what it actually physically felt like to be hungry, like not emotionally or mentally hungry, but physically hungry. That was like a huge aha moment for me. What? My body has hunger signals. (laughs) What was that like to like rediscover hunger? It was, I mean, it felt like the walls just fell down around me, <laughs> I would say. It, it was like, oh, what? This is what I've been missing this whole time? Because I just always thought that I was the person who couldn't stop if a bag of whatever was opened or I would never be able to stop at one slice of pizza it would always be too much. Like I always thought there were foods that I just couldn't control myself around, but it turns out I have no need to control because now I just eat to satisfaction and it's perfectly fine. (laughs) Amazing. What does satisfaction feel like for you? So the way that I describe it to my clients is 80% full. So if you think about 0% to 100%, you could have a few more bites and then you'd be like 100% full, but you're just going to stop. So you've had enough food. You feel good. You're not hungry still, but you're not quite at that full point. So it's not really measurable, but it sort of just gives you that image of what, like you're, you just aren't eating all of the food to the point of like feeling full or like burpy or your stomach is really expanded. I think Thanksgiving is probably one of those holidays that people are like very familiar with that overly full feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me, it's just that sense of like, I've satiated my hunger and I've enjoyed my meal and I'm good. That, that's the phrase that always comes to mind. Like I'm good. Like I could have a few more bites, but I'm good. As a person who is a former clean plate club stellar star, like, (laughs) did you have to adjust to like leaving food? Yeah, actually it almost became like a weird perfection thing. (laughs) Like leaving food on the plate was like not finishing the task or not finishing the job. (laughs) and it seemed so like well why wouldn't I just finish the last few bites like just finish it off (laughs) it's so stupid to put this back in the refrigerator and it was like weird battles that I had in my head about it and they were never about hunger it was never like my body actually needed those last few bites it was more about oh I only need to feed my body what it needs And I'm actually not taking care of my body when I give it more food than it needs because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like I don't want to burp up my food later or feel (laughs) uncomfortably full. (laughs) And so it's just kind of recognizing like prioritizing my own comfort over the, the like weird brain need to like finish my plate or like perfectly scoop all the remnants of the food off. Sometimes I put stuff back on the fridge now and sometimes I'm like, okay, we're just done. Like, it's good. Um, and I mean, I also wanna speak from the sense of pr- like privilege that I have to play around with my hunger cues and the fact that I can put food back. Like this isn't something that everybody has the opportunity to do. And, and I just, you know, want to recognize that this is like a complete place of privilege and anybody who has the opportunity to explore their hunger cues and put food back and have extra food available should start from a place of feeling pretty fucking grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a great place to start also with, um, with playing around with this is just like, Like, it's so easy to say, I'm not doing it right, or like, I should be doing some other fucking way. But to start with, like, I'm just grateful I have food, and I am grateful that I have this food, and this food in front of me is really amazing, whatever it is, even if it's, you know, semi-tasteless, 
our moms went to the same cooking school kind of food like (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is like there's because and the reason I say that because you're right that it's such a brain game and the more that we get out of our brains and into like the emotions of eating and satisfy the emotions first I feel like like this is obviously your wheelhouse is working with people with like emotions and brains and food like how do you have people actually begin that journey so we usually start with like very tactical nutrition habits because i want them to notice how food plays such a big role in their life and how they are literally in their physical bodies all the time, eating multiple times a day. So like that's happening. Now let's really focus in on, on what's happening behind the scenes. So I do um, a variety of nutrition habits, just depending on like where people are in their nutrition journey. But I like to start by adding in nourishing foods to their diets and practicing that consistently. And one of the things that I think traditional diets really fail people is that they focus on subtracting things out. So it's like, okay, here are all the, the no-no foods that you got to throw out, like go in, clean out your cupboards. And we're just mm-hmm. going to, you know, start from scratch. And then here's your meal plan. Go for it. I actually like to take the opposite approach and say like, okay, continue to eat whatever you want. But you know, for the next week, we're going to add in a fist of veggies and like, here are all the different veggie options. Choose what you like or start experimenting. And that really gives people the flexibility to a eat what they like. Cause I don't know what people like. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know how people like to cook, um, what's available to them. I have I, lots of ideas, but you know, that's really up to you. And then we just see what the brain starts coming up with. Right. Because you think something as simple as like, all right, we're going to do like a fist of veggies and then a palm of protein. No problem. That's so easy the brain will come up with reasons why we can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it's really funny to see how people, and not funny, haha, but just like interesting to see how people experiment over the course of time, because we don't live in this like perfect vacuum world where nothing ever happens to us. Like literally things are always happening to us. People get sick, they lose their job, they get a new job, they go through a relationship breakup. Um, You know what I mean? Like things are always happening and we have to be able to be flexible with them. And that's why I don't like overloading people with like everything you have to do all at once, go implement it into your life because literally something's going to come up and then that perfect plan falls apart. So we Mm -hmm. focus on one habit, we see what the brain, you know, hates about it. We coach on that. <laughs> and then we add another habit in sometime later when it starts to feel like a little easy, uh, when the first habit feels like more easy and automatic. And it usually takes people like a week or two to adjust. Like some things are just come very naturally. Like people are, are so on board with adding vegetables into their diet. It's not a problem, but then you like, bring up the bad boy carbohydrates. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> I have some stories about this. <laughs> I'm picturing like a sack, a stack of French fries, like out behind the school smoking and like trying to get people to do drugs <laughs> in a leather jacket, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> And they have like the little like oiled flipped hair. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, everybody is different, but there is a lot of similarity too. There's the worry of like, am I doing this right? And there's the worry of like, is this happening fast enough? (laughs) And then like, can I keep this up forever? Or like, will I fail at this at some point? And these are all things that are easily coached through because not easily, but like we can coach them because it's just stories from the mind and we can literally break the mind all the time. And that's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) How do you break the mind? 
Uh, I use the model, but I think really bringing awareness to the fact that what the brain reports, what the mind reports isn't actually fact. Like it's just a thought. Um, there's so many times where we're just saying things like, like we should just accept them, but it's actually not true. Like there is no evidence to support that thought when you challenge it and you ask the mind to say like, okay, prove to me how this is true. I was like, well, we can't because <laughs> it's not. It's true that it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> can you prove that it's true? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Neither can the French fries. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find is like the hardest thing for people to let go of or to take on or like to adjust in their thinking? I see two big things. One is self-trust and I think that that just comes from practice Mm -hmm. because we have really just exported all of our thinking when it comes to how we take care of ourselves to I don't know I guess doctors or the media or gurus or experts or whatever (laughs) like it's Mm -hmm. all external sources and so to believe that we actually know what is best for us is really hard to get on board with at first. (laughs) And then the second thing that I see a lot is why isn't it happening faster? Like the, the idea that it should have, the mind has a timeline, right? Like I need to lose 25 pounds by February. I mean, (laughs) why? And I'm only using weight, like not everybody's goal is weight loss, but I'm just using that as an example, um, you know, a very common example. But like, why do you have to lose weight by then? And what will happen if you don't, right? Mm. I mean, obviously and, you'll be unlovable in, on Valentine's Day. And no right, one will exactly. Want to go out with you. Ever, <laughs> ever. And then for Valentine's Day. Chocolate either. <laughs> yes, the chocolate is amazing. It's key. Yeah. That's clutch. <laughs> I think that's also fascinating how like we do say, oh, well, I can only have the food reward if I've met the food goal. We're <laughs> <laughs> <Or> weird people. <laughs> yeah. And that actually is one of the things that I teach is that um, there's really nothing off limits and you can literally have whatever you want. And that comes into that satiation, which I was talking about earlier, where you can just have a bite of something and it can be, that's enough. Mm. You can also finish the whole thing and that might be good too, but like there is no rule or like serving size. Serving sizes, by the way, are literally just created so they can calculate out the nutrition facts. (laughs) Like that's all serving sizes are. (laughs) Really? It's, yeah. It has nothing to do with like what you're supposed to be eat, putting into your body? No. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the certain companies uh, manipulate the serving size, like usually lowering it so they can like create like 100 calorie snacks or whatever. So, you know, you get your 10 almonds. <laughs> That's amazing. You're just making me think of like, I've seen ones that are like half a pudding cup is like this many calories. And I'm like, who eats half a pudding cup? (laughs) (laughs) It's a cup of pudding. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, people fall on different spectrums. Some people are like so opposed to eating anything bad because they're afraid they'll never stop. And then other people are in that place where they literally can't stop. Mm. And so it's working with, with both ends, but ultimately it comes down to self-trust and you can only do that through practice. Like you can't create self-trust theoretically. Like you literally have to teach yourself how to feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that. I don't obviously work with nutrition, but with my clients, I have the same thing. It comes down to, I feel like anybody who's learning who comes to an inner voice facilitator for whatever it is that they're coming for, it's, it's always about self-trust. It's like, you have to do a thing enough times to be able to know, oh, I can do that thing to, and like, I can trust myself not to do the other thing that I don't really want to be doing right now. Like, yeah, 
you have to train the brain that it's okay <laughs> that it's not going to die <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and you know it really is just that's why I like doing smaller habits one at a time so that you can build those reps up mm-hmm. and show yourself it is possible. And what's funny is that I have calls with my clients and they'll say like, oh, I didn't practice the habit at all. And I'm like, oh, really? And then we find evidence of how they've practiced it the whole week. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I and so the brain that. will like create the story we're failing when they literally were doing it. <laughs> And so we're not creating self-trust in the brain. The brain is actually kind of unreliable. We're creating self-trust in the body. And sometimes that starts with being able to feel your feelings in your body because not everybody has that skill set. That's totally true. Yeah. How do you teach people to feel their feelings? I start in two different places. Sometimes we start in the mind just by naming the feeling. And sometimes that is effective. And sometimes we start in the body by just saying like, where in your body are you feeling anything right now? Mm-hmm. And like, what does that feel like? Describe it. Tell me more. <laughs> How big is it? What's the texture? And really just getting them to like feel different places in your body. Some people like have never done this before. And so it's re- it's like eye-opening to see that their body has anything more than like a traditional ache or pain, which I strongly believe is associated with like emotion as well. Mm. (laughs) Like I'm not talking about, I stab myself in my arm and I've got pain. I'm talking about like chronic, (laughs) like joint issues or, you know, things that are just kind of like hanging out for a while. And you're like, why is this here? (laughs) Yeah. I can say from my massage background that like Yep, you're on the money. There's a lot of emotional pains that people have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably do a whole episode on that. <laughs> I think so. Um, and one of the ways that we deal with unprocessed emotional pain is we eat. Mm-hmm. And there's a very good reason for that because it creates a short-term chemical reaction that provides comfort to us. So we are literally comforting ourselves when we eat food. And it's not an incorrect reaction. It's just short term and it doesn't help us move the emotion out of our body. That's so amazing. I never realized that comfort eating actually had a chemical response that makes us feel comforted. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. I mean, it makes sense like for us as a species that does actually need to eat. And like, of course we get if, if eating feels good, <laughs> then the human being stays alive. Yeah. And food industries play on that knowledge by creating foods that, that do that, that create that. And that's why processed foods are so alluring to us because they give us that hit of comfort, but they're not nutritionally um, substantial. So they don't actually feed us. They just give us a sense of comfort, but then we want more because they haven't filled us. Mm. How do you manage those desires? So what I found is that the more that people add whole foods into, and I'm not talking the store, I'm talking like, whole foods into their their diet, the less that they actually want processed foods. It's just like very naturally fades away. Mm. Like they don't really have to give anything up because they're, they're satisfied with the food that they're eating. And so if they choose to eat processed foods, it's because they like the taste or, you know, it's a, an event or they're celebrating or something like that. It's not a mindless choice because they've always eaten that sort of food. Um, so I think it's pretty natural to just only choose processed foods from a different place as opposed to just always eating them. Um, but 
I think what you're asking really is about the emotions, right? I'm just asking the question, I, but I, now I want to hear about the emotions. <laughs> so here's the thing is like, there is no way to resist the emotion or like have it pass through you in a way that you don't have to feel it. Like you have to feel the emotion to release it or integrate it. But what happens is that people have this fear that once they start feeling the pain, they will never stop feeling it. And they'll get sucked into this like black hole of always being in pain forever and it'll never end. But it actually passes so quickly. Like I've literally timed it when people have been feeling their pain. <laughs> oh my God. What, and what timing? Like, what did you time it at? 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. And these are like, these are you know, pain pockets, emotional pain that they have held on to for like an entire lifetime released in minutes. Damn. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? That's huge. <laughs> yeah. I just want to like sit with like how we think it's going to take hours and it takes five minutes or less. Our brains are completely terrible at guessing how it's going to go when they're, when they anticipate pain. Very unreliable. Extremely. <laughs> <laughs> they're good at some stuff, but they're not good at some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so it's just recognizing where am I avoiding pain? And it's not always deep pain like grief. It can be things like fear of rejection or abandonment or something like that, or like fear of embarrassing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't always have to be this like deep thing. But, you know, when we get stressed out, some we've created, we often create routines for ourselves where we turn to food instead of turning to the stress, like what is actually causing the stress. And I'll give you a personal example is that when uh, COVID hit, which I am like losing my sense of time. So like, I don't know if that was last year or this year, but like, at some point. <laughs> That's just such a like reliable thing right now that none of us have any sense of time <laughs> yeah I didn't have a sense of time before and now I feel like everyone is like like we're all here together <laughs> yeah <laughs> like living in relativity uh yeah it's like it's, before COVID after COVID, after COVID exactly March four times. some year <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I started working from home which was my dream so that was exciting thank you COVID and I was finding myself going down to my kitchen in the afternoon and like opening my refrigerator because, you know, magically something new was going to pop out. <laughs> and what I came to realize is like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? I'm not hungry. Because, you know, I do have the practice of like asking myself, am I actually hungry? And I was like, no, I just ate lunch. Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what was it I was bored <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who doesn't yeah. get bored in the afternoon just a little right. bit <laughs> exactly so my solution my brain solution was well let's get a snack that'll be fun also not wrong snacks can be fun <laughs> they are yeah absolutely but it might like, be you... something to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is extremely so relatable like, all right great do I want this snack? Not really. Like, I don't really want it. Right. I'm bored. And like, just uh -huh. saying that, just saying my state I'm bored helped me sort of like unplug from the idea that I needed to eat. Like I didn't need to eat. I just wanted to eat because I was bored. So mm -hmm. I was like, what else can I do besides eat? Not that eating is bad, but like, again, going back to my earlier point, like, I don't want to be burpy or like feel full. I mm -hmm. want to feel comfortable. And so I'm like, oh, I could go on a walk. I could work on my business. I could do nothing. I could sit out on my porch and get some sun. Like there's so many other things I could be doing that are restorative or fun or 
literally anything but eat. And so I just started doing those things instead. And then I was like, oh, okay, I don't actually need to eat. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so brilliant. I feel like that's such a yeah. good like COVID tip too, because I'm sure there's like still some of us who are having the ongoing work from home COVID world. We're all still kind of adapting. So that's pretty brilliant. I'm really curious, like how, I know what, so I feel like we've, we've talked around this and sort of touched on this, but like the, the feeling like being in your body is okay, no matter what the circumstances are, like no matter what the weight is that your body weighs or, you know, like if you have, I don't know, food allergies or allergies, allergies, (laughs) or like, you know, a weird sweater on, like, I don't know, like regardless of circumstances, like, what's your take on, on all that? I can give you a very personal example of how it's changed for me. So my brother at one point had this girlfriend who was like a 10 out of 10, you know, Mm. just perfect body, perfect everything. Mm. And like 0% body fat, probably more like 10% body fat. And we went to the beach and this was years ago, but I was like, I can't go to the beach next to her. (laughs) I spent the entire time at the beach worried about what she thought about my body or like that people would be comparing my body to her body or preferring her over me which by the way, I have a husband and we're in a closed relationship. So like, why does it even matter if other people are desiring my body? (laughs) I'm like, we're very happy. So it's not like I was trolling on the beach. (laughs) But like my mind just took me to these like crazy places because it had this story that I wasn't allowed to show up on the beach unless I was like repping my six pack of abs Mm. and I couldn't exist next to somebody else who had that desirable body. And so instead of being at the beach, which by the way, is my favorite place in the world to be, I didn't enjoy myself at all. I just constantly like, you know, looked at her, tried to like hide towel cover up blah 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 like you know mini meltdowns constantly like right on the verge and really pissy to everyone that I was with and just like total fun to be around right and that was delightful (laughs) for everybody yeah it was terrible it was terrible and this past uh Labor Day I guess I went to the beach with my brother and his now wife who is different than that other girl and she also has a very different body than I do. And I would say it's probably more, I guess, like more on the desirable body scale or whatever, like the media body, I don't know. And it just didn't matter. (laughs) I was just so happy to be at the beach and my nephew was there and he has like the freaking chunkiest thighs ever. Like, I just want to just like, Are these, and, are these baby thighs? Is this like yes, one of those, like, I want to shake like, the baby, baby leg? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, almost one. And so he just has that like plump, like, I can't really walk or use my legs yet sort of body. <laughs> what a chunkster. Oh, I know. <laughs> and we just like, we just had so much fun. And honestly, I was like, Ooh, what bathing suit do I want to wear today? Like what, what feels fun for me? And like, also what will not get me sunburned because I'm pretty pale and (laughs) don't do well in the sun (laughs) but it was really like I never thought twice about what my body looked like because I'm not in a competition with any other person like that's just a story my mind created that I'm in competition with other people and there wasn't one thing that got me to that point but some of the things that helped were realizing through finding movement that I like, uh, working on my nutrition that 
I am taking care of myself and I'm happy with the choices that I'm making and the results that I'm having because I'm literally taking care of myself and that feels good. Um, and like focusing on how do I want the experience to be? Do I want to have a meltdown or do I want to enjoy being around the people that I'm with and recognizing that this isn't a fitness competition. They're literally not there to judge my body. <laughs> like they want to be with me because they like me for who I am. And there's literally nothing my sister-in-law could do about her body. That's just the body she has. <laughs> and she doesn't have it to spite me. <laughs> um, and then, you know, my inner voice has just helped so much doing the inner voice facilitation training. And then, you know, literally being in my inner voice as much as I can. It just shows me that there's so much more to life than focusing on things that don't matter. And my inner voice is all about actually being in my body and like feeling all of my senses because you have the privilege, the honor of having a body in this lifetime. Like you got one <laughs> and we want you to experience things and you're not experiencing things when you're sitting there worried in your brain about what other people think about what your body looks like. Guess what? Nobody's thinking about you. They're all just hanging out on the beach, doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you are literally the only one having a terrible conversation in your mind. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel like uh, I would share my inner voice always tells me to touch things. Mm. It's favorite thing, like my inner being, like my soul's wisdom. It cares mostly about my body because it can touch stuff and it likes touching stuff. It likes textures <laughs> and like leaves. It likes touching leaves a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't give a shit how much I weigh. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wants to be able to like, wants to be physically able to do the things it wants to do. And most of those things are touching stuff. So like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Tactile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so perfect. That's like, I like, that's really the note I want to leave on is like that our bodies are so amazing and nobody is, nobody else gives a shit about it. The way that our brains think that they do. Yeah. I fully agree. Yes. Um, I'd love to ask you as a last question, um, what does the art of being mean to you? Mm. Honestly, I'm looking at a background on my computer that my inner voice had me put together. And I just see all of these sunrises and sunsets and nature and fresh food and I really think the art of being is being able to be in whatever experience you are right now and allowing your senses to describe that experience to you and just literally allowing your eyes to describe the scene allowing your nose to create the flavors and your ears to hear and your hands to touch and your mouth to taste and is that all the senses? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then of course your inner voice and if you have a sixth sense or a seventh or whatever, how many there are. <laughs> yeah, just like totally being in the moment because when, I mean, this is actually a trauma technique is to describe the situation around you so that you can get back into your body. And I literally think that's what being is. Hmm. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And where can people find you? Uh, Instagram is great. It's at emily.slahetka, which I'm sure you'll link up because mm -hmm. my last name is unpronounceable and unspellable. <laughs> <laughs> Although you got it right. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll send them there. Um, also, I have heard other people say your name, so I am a cheat. <laughs> It's all good. You're just learning. 
from people who are already doing it. Why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for coming on and talking with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Yes, thank you so much. I had so much fun. I'm glad. Thanks for listening. Today's episode includes an invitation to enter the Art of Being giveaway. Celebrating the launch of the podcast with free stuff. The prizes are all cool metaphysical tools that will help you launch yourself further into co-creation with the universe, including a free one-on-one session with me, Slade, a full set of chakra-aligned crystals powered up with Reiki universal healing energy, and a gorgeous astrological 2022 planner from the extremely aligned folks over at Magic of Eye. To enter, click the subscribe button, rate and review, share about the podcast on Instagram, and tag at slade.powell. And most importantly, go to sladepowell.com and join the mailing list. You'll get up-to-date details on the podcast and everything else that I do. There is no limit to the number of entries you can put in. Each action is one entry into the giveaway. Subscribe, rate and review, share on Instagram, join the mailing list. The three winners will be chosen at random on 2-22-22. May the odds be ever in your favor. See you next week, darlings.